T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I guess we should have expected this. There is so much pressure to get it right. And frankly... It's all over the map. I mean, every community across America is struggling with how to open schools. So if a parent calls you and says, I could keep my kids home, I'd prefer to send them to school, what would you tell them? By the way, it's not if, it's when, because I'm getting called all the time, actually, but um, and uh, from relatives and people I know and strangers. During this pandemic, we have often turned to Dr. Irwin Redletter to help with the most difficult of our questions. So parents, listen up. This week on 880 In-Depth, the challenge of schooling our kids in the middle of a pandemic. I'm Tim Scheld from WCBS News Radio 880. Erwin Redliner has spent his life working to protect the health of children. A pediatrician by trade, Redliner is co-founder of the Children's Health Fund, an organization that helps vulnerable, at-risk children grow and thrive. Today, some of his most important work comes under the banner of the National Center for Disaster Preparedness at the Earth Institute at Columbia University. The coronavirus has seen an intersection of Dr. Redlener's life work, children's health, and disaster preparedness. He has helped advise New York City officials on topics just like reopening schools. There may be no more important subject than schools in the COVID era. With the best of intentions, we all seem to be struggling mightily. That's why we got on the phone with Dr. Redlener this week to ask him about New York's plans to reopen schools for at least some in-person learning. It is the controversy that everyone's talking about. Our Peter Haskell with Dr. Irwin Redlener. Well, I am very concerned about a potential uh, second wave and, and uh, happening in, in New York. And I think that the uh, possibility of getting kids in classrooms um, provoking a second wave in a big way in New York City is uh, obviously possible. If that happens, we'd have to potentially close the school uh, shortly after reopening them, and I think that would be pretty traumatic. I would be in favor of waiting until we have more safeguards in place uh, to try to reduce the possibility of a, a school-based uh, outbreak. 
if kids go into the classroom, describe the risk. Well, we've been living in a bubble for the last six months where children basically have been staying at home and surrounded by their nuclear family uh, for the most part. And as soon as we get kids back into classrooms, there's going to be a whole uh, additional risk of uh, children spreading the coronavirus uh, among the uh, their classmates. And uh, that is something that is almost unavoidable, even if we do what we need to do at the minimum, which is to make sure that you're separated, make sure that people are uh, wearing masks, make sure that we have uh, taken care of uh, teachers who might be at high risk because they're older or have uh, whatever uh, pre-existing conditions. The big issue that I think we have not addressed sufficiently is the necessity for making sure that there's good ventilation in each and every classroom that we intend to use. And this is a big problem because if we don't have the ventilation, we have the uh, possibility of, uh, of the virus lingering in the air uh, and being um, inhaled by other students and teachers and so on. And in New York City, like many other big cities, uh, there are many schools that are older uh, with very uh, uh, dysfunctional ventilation systems and not enough money to actually get those fixed. So I think I'd like to be assured that uh, that we've done whatever needs to be done to make sure the ventilation is working properly in any classroom that's going to uh, welcome children. So it sounds like there's really nothing the city could do based on the ventilation issues you referred to that would make you comfortable seeing students in the classroom. I don't think that every classroom's got a ventilation problem. I think some do. There's some classrooms in basements, for example. There's some classrooms uh, with windows that haven't been opened in 20 years. So I think this this would require a real uh, investigation of the status of the uh, ventilation systems and just uh, going through a checklist to say these classrooms are okay and these other ones are not. And, um, and for the ones that are not, they either have to not be used for teaching or they have to have their ventilation systems upgraded. So I think it's not out of the question. It just takes time, and I'd rather see that happen the the inspections happen before uh, kids are back in the classes. Have you spoken to the mayor about this? I have. Does he? What is his response to what you say? Uh, the mayor has been very receptive to input from me and other experts, and I think that's good. Uh, there's also a lot of pressure on the mayor, like every other mayor. Uh, to get kids back to school, um, uh, although we are the only uh, big city school system that is not going full remote. And um, I think there's reasons why uh, the mayor doesn't want to go full remote, and that has to do with uh, the fact that a lot of children who live, in, who live with families that are uh, financially stressed may not have access to the uh, internet, they may not have the hardware, and they may not have uh, people in the household who can mentor uh, children in, in uh, going remote. Last semester, last year in the spring, there were large numbers of high school students, for instance, who 
never made use of remote access to, to learning. And I think of the 1.1 million children uh, in New York City's uh, public school systems, there are many who do not have access to be able to uh, learn remotely. And that's a problem, especially for children who are in uh, borderline situations to begin with from an educational point of view. It's very important that they get back in a routine of learning and uh, that, that we help them catch up with time that's been lost when they've been out of school. So there are a lot of competing issues and the people, uh, children who are uh, in families where there's working parents or essential workers, uh, those workers have to go to work every day. And that means that if their children are not in school every day, then they have to find some alternative arrangements for daycare and uh, looking after the children while they're working. So there's a lot of economic and educational reasons to want to get the kids back in the classrooms. And I, I think this is what's on the mayor's mind. So if a parent calls you and says, I could keep my kids home, I'd prefer to send them to school, what would you tell them? By the way, it's not if, it's when, because I'm getting called all the time, actually, but um, and uh, from relatives and people I know and strangers. And the question, so the question, that when parents ask the question, if it's truly a, a uh, an optional possibility for parents to keep their children at home, uh, I would suggest they probably do until we get some more safeguards in the school, as I was talking about, and, and still we have uh, more... Uh, capacity to do rapid on-site testing for COVID. These things will come and we'll eventually get there, but I don't think we're quite ready yet, which is why if a parent can keep their kids home, I say uh, that's uh, that's probably a good idea. If they need to send their kids to school, I think it's up to the city to make sure that the parents can do that and uh, feel secure that their kids will be safe. How long do you think it'll take before you feel comfortable it's safe for most kids to be back in the classroom my preference in terms of when it'll be safe to send kids back to school is when the schools can assure us that they can maintain the physical distancing that they can mandate masks and that they can make sure that the ventilation systems are working properly in the classrooms that they intend to use and i would further add in there that i would feel even more comfortable if we had rapid on-site testing for COVID that did not need to go to a laboratory. In other words, you could do it daily and make sure the kids are uh, free of disease and that the uh, faculty and staff are as well. Uh, that might take a couple of months. Uh, if we could do it, I would hold off until those things were in place. Let me ask you this. What happens when we have a collision between COVID and the flu season? Again, uh, we again. I don't think it's a question of uh, if we have a collision between uh, uh, COVID still very active and uh, the new uh, influenza season. I think it's going to happen, and I think that's going to add to the general chaos because the symptoms are can be very similar. Of course, between the two, uh, some people get very sick from influenza and don't have COVID, and some people uh, need to go to the hospital. There are fatalities associated with the uh, typical uh, seasonal flu. So we have the possibility of very serious problems and, again, overwhelming our healthcare system when we do have a, a 
peak of the flu season coincident with the peak of uh, COVID uh, in New York or any other place, really. In terms of a potential second wave that you spoke about earlier, what is the likelihood of that if kids are not in school? And what is the likelihood if kids are in school? In general, if you put children or anybody else in congregate environments day after day, uh, the possibility of spread is much higher. And obviously, if we're isolated, we're staying at home, uh, the likelihood of catching either COVID or seasonal flu is less. But this also applies not just to children in schools, but also to people in restaurants and bars and gyms and every other place where people might gather. And every year, well before we even heard of COVID, we would have outbreaks, serious outbreaks of influenza that could make people quite sick. And for the very young and very old could be diseases that were actually fatal. So um, the more separation, the less likely for communication and spread. You are a pediatrician at the beginning. We heard that children were not necessarily at risk for this illness. What have we learned, and how much are they at risk? We have learned some very important things uh, that uh, more fully describe the risk that children face from COVID. And one of them is that uh, young children can carry very high coronavirus uh, loads in their, in, the, in their front part of their nasal passages. And secondly, older children, teenagers, and so on, are able to... Um, carry and spread uh, COVID at the same rate as uh, adults do. They may not get as sick, but in terms of being carriers, that is definitely a reality. And there are a couple of big studies that have shown that older children are carriers, as are younger children, even though they may not get as sick. But we've had, I'd say at this point, close to 400,000 reported cases of uh, COVID in children in the United States since um, since the pandemic began here. The rest of New York State has indoor dining. New York City does not. Do you think New York City should have indoor dining? And the other question that's related is college kids. We saw what happened at North Carolina. Can colleges open safely? So, um, first of all, although uh, the upstate restaurants have been uh, opened and they uh, are not really having too much in the way of additional problems. They weren't having many problems to begin with compared to New York City. In New York City, for a variety of reasons, I am still in favor of keeping the indoor dining uh, restricted. Um, And uh, I think that's going to be probably the case for the uh, near term here for certain. The other thing is that uh, for college and university students, There have been uh, very significant outbreaks now at the University of North Carolina uh, in Chapel Hill, as well as Oklahoma State University, as well as other uh, universities around the U.S. So, again, like the the public schools, colleges and universities can be real hotbeds and uh, spreader situations as far as the transmission of coronavirus. So we have to be very, very careful. And for colleges, colleges and universities, here in New York and elsewhere, by the way, I am in favor of uh, all remote. I, I know that it's problematic uh, for university students who want to get the full experience of being on a college campus. We can't blame them for that, but 
the facts are the facts when it comes to COVID, and it's just not safe yet uh, to put children back in uh, in university uh, and college uh, classrooms. Based on testing or therapeutics or vaccine, is there any way to gauge or guess when we might get to our new normal? The new normal uh, is off in the distance right now, and I, it's hard to say when we'll, we're going to get there. And I think there's going to be certain things that change that won't, won't come back. Uh, I think we'll do a lot more remote learning. Uh, we've learned to have a lot of meetings uh, on various video platforms, and that will probably continue uh, as well. And some of the things we know about preventing spread of disease during uh, the influenza season in terms of hand washing and, and all those other public health um, uh, protocols need to be will need to be maintained for the long haul as well. But um, I think it's going to be a while. I think the vaccines, I don't think we'll see them. Uh, available for mass uh, use and distribution until well into 2021 at the earliest. Um, medications will come sooner rather than later for very sick people in hospitals, but we also need medications to, to prescribe to outpatients who may have COVID or COVID symptoms um, that would uh, keep them from getting sicker. And we'll see those happening at some point as well, and that'll be very helpful. And, um, yeah, so there's developments in the wings, um, and it's hard to say when they'll all appear, but uh, it's going to be a while, and I think people are going to have to get used to this very unusual reality that we're uh, currently facing because of the pandemic. Do you think it's possible or maybe likely that kids might not be in the classroom through this entire academic year? It's hard to say what's going to happen with children in classrooms. If we start getting significant multiple outbreaks among children, or children bring it home uh, to their communities and families and seeing an outbreak in the communities that's significant, we may have a series of starts and stops uh, for the school year in terms of classroom. Um, And at some point, somebody may say, listen, we're gonna have to just uh, call it a day and not have children back in classrooms for this academic year. I'm very much hoping that won't be the case. I think it probably won't be the case, but I think it will very much, very, it'll be very likely that we'll have a situation where there's some stops and starts uh, to the school year. This week, the UFT, the union representing New York City public school teachers and staff, called on New York's mayor to rethink the reopening of schools. They're actually threatening a job action, and they promise to go to court to defend their rights if the city doesn't adopt a new plan for reopening schools. This is what the union's looking for. Before any school opens, it must meet the following criteria. Schools must be stocked with cleaning supplies, PPE, and proper ventilation. Each school must have a clear plan of action and a COVID response team in place. And every single person, that students and teachers, must be screened and have evidence that they do not have coronavirus before being allowed to enter a school building. That's what the union wants. The city is saying it's already developing a testing plan for staff, but nothing is in place yet. And students, well, they would simply have their temperatures checked daily. We will watch this story. 
In Depth is a weekly podcast from WCBS News Radio 880. Executive producers are Peter Haskell and myself, Tim Shell. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for 880 In Depth. We invite you to subscribe. And as always, we ask that you be safe. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.